0: What is up, homebodies? Hi, homebodies. How are we doing today? I'm good. Thanks for asking. <laughs> now, first, I just want to get it. I just want to say it. Um, today is MLK Day. Yep.
1: Although, when you're listening to this, it'll be yesterday, because we're mm-hmm. recording this on Monday, and we put out our episodes on Tuesdays.
0: Yeah, we thought it would be important just to take a couple, like, you know, like a minute or two, just to kind of talk about it. Um, I think that it's a very important day, especially for us. You know, both of us are people of color. Um, Who have had family in this country go through struggles of injustice. And so we think it's very important that we bring it up. And it's a very important day. And we're glad that people, you know, celebrate it. Um, I wanted to give a quick quote from uh, Dr. King that I think about a lot and is also biblical Um, Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. I love the darkness comparison because, you know, how it says in the Bible, it says the you know, there's light in the darkness and the dark can never drive out the light. You know, Yes. Um, I think it's an incredible quote because it, it 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 pushes forward how there is no way that being negative can push out negativity. Only positivity can push out negativity. And it's through our love and through our hope and through our fruitfulness that we push out that that we push out that um, that anger, that uh, hopelessness and, and how we move forward as a society. Just just a, incredible. Of course, we all know that I, I have a dream speech. Yeah. Um, but an incredible day for people of color in this country and um, a, a great American figure. So, yeah, that's what we just want to say that real quick, because you know yeah. it's an important day.
1: Yeah, he's a phenomenal leader. And I think that this is a holiday that is not acknowledged really anymore. There's a lot mm-hmm. of holidays that are kind of just, oh, yeah, we have off school and work. Mm-hmm. This is one of them that has kind of lost its meaning, I think, yeah. in the business of life and so it's important to bring honor to him and all of the amazing accomplishments that he granted to us in in the, modern, in the modern day. So what is our topic going to be today, Seth?
0: All right, so we thought that we would take this time to do a series that might go on in the future, but going to go on for two parts. Mm-hmm. Um, we are calling it the Introvert City Testimonies.
1: We're doing it, guys. We're yep. bringing out the vulnerability of <laughs> So we weren't, we weren't quite sure when to put this series out. We knew we wanted it to be a series because our testimonies, you know, will be descriptive and everything, but we were like, should we do it the first episode? Should we wait till we have a a big following? Mm -hmm. What was that?
0: It's a little nerve wracking.
1: Yeah, it is. It's because, you know, you have to be vulnerable, Um, but we're excited to do it. I think it's important that Mm -hmm. you know that, that part of our life because our faith is such a fundamental part of who we are. Um, And they always say to keep Christ at the center of your relationship, not just romantically, but in all of your friendships and everything. So we're going to do that today. We're going to be descriptive, but I'm sure in future episodes you'll get snippets of things that we haven't said yet, or maybe we'll save for the future. But today.
0: The first is coming from my beautiful, amazing, wonderful, so smart co-host, Karina Bruno. Um, So you know, just to get this all started God, he off. He
1: always flatters me yeah. and I never know <laughs> yeah. what to say. I'm so embarrassed right now.
0: <laughs> so just Thank to get, you. so just to get this part so that we can move forward. Um, who, who, who are you now? What do you consider yourself right now? Where do you stand?
1: Cool. Um I am. Religiously,
0: by the way. Yeah, I figured.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, I call myself a Protestant Christian. Mm. Um, I'm not really identifying at the moment with a particular denomination. I don't know if Prode- like saying Protestant counts as a denomination, because when I say Protestant, I'm talking about one of the three divides of Christianity, which is Catholicism, Orthodoxy, and being Protestant. So I would identify with the last category. Um, I grew up in a non-denominational church, and I still prefer to call myself non-denominational. Mm. So if that answers the question.
0: All right. Very nice. Very good. So a little bit about your childhood. How do you feel? Where was God in your childhood and how did God affect you when you were a younger kid?
1: Okay. So I I feel like even if I didn't grow up in a Christian home, I still would have been a very spiritual child. <laughs> that sounds funny. But like I, I have always felt this deep connection to like something greater. I would like... I love to take walks since I was little and I still Mm love taking walks and I would just look at nature and I would just like feel such a great presence. I almost felt like I could see a face smiling down on me and I would just talk to him. Like I, I remember being so young and like talking to God, like asking how his day was going and telling him that I loved him so much. Like it makes me smile because I was just shielded by a bubble of innocence and I, I thank God for that. Like people, I think people put a negative rap on, on, a, on a child's innocence, but children should have their time of innocence. It's a beautiful thing yeah. to look back on, to look back on a time when you were not aware of all of the disgusting evils that exist in the world that are yeah. unfortunate realities, Like to, to look back on a time when you didn't know any of that existed and to just have moments with you and God. There's a reason why Jesus asked the children to come to him. I, mm-hmm. I believe there's a verse in the Bible that talks about children being leaders in the kingdom of God. Actually, Seth, Seth's mom told me this, um, and I just absolutely agreed with it and now I kind of I talk about believing it. The, a, tr- a baby is the closest human being to God because, you know, they came straight from being with God, being in heaven. and I think it's so beautiful and people always question, Like, oh, when do you become evil? Are you born evil? Do you get more evil as you get older? My belief Mm. is that babies are born pure, holy, maybe not holy, but pure and innocent. And just they have a divine beauty to them that no other human being can compare to. And then I think as they grow older and they delve into the world more, and they are surrounded by evil things in the world, I think they just naturally become influenced. No one teaches them evil. They're just influenced by the evil that exists in this broken world. And so then, as a result, you know, we have the fallen natural human beings. But anyways, your question pertained to me, which is that, yes, I did grow up in a Christian home. I would say that the foundation for all of my theology came from my dad, primarily. My dad um, is a pastor, a pastor. I would call him a theologian. He he works... He's a professor right now and he teaches a lot of theology classes. Just so smart. And even if he never had an answer to my question, he always like gave, gave me something hopeful. Like mm. He was like, well, we don't know, but that's part of the mystery and beauty of God. Mm. And so that never drove me away. I think a lot of kids would be turned off by that and they'd be like, oh, well, then he doesn't exist or whatever. But to me, I was like, oh, that's mysterious. That's really cool. I'm going to keep asking questions. And my mom had a very present just like a a visibly joyful relationship with with God, like with my dad, you kind of had to sit down with him and talk to him to ask and ask him questions to know what he believed, but with my mom, you just see her and know like she's mm-hmm. so vibrant, she's so patient like and to this day i I don't know how she does it. My mom has just battled a lot, and she continues to be so joyful through everything, and Mm -hmm. I admire her for that. So my parents were very different in the way that they expressed their faith, Um, and for a while, you know, when I was, I'll get into this part later, but when I was questioning things, I was, like, kind of angry about the things that they sheltered me from, but I feel like now I can look back and I can say I'm grateful for the innocence that I had and for the ways that they taught me about the beauty of God. Because I literally have videos of when I was like probably 10 years old. I wanted to be a vlogger so bad. And I would like vlog videos. I'd be like, this is why God loves you. I was an international pastor is what I was being. (laughs) And I look back on that and I think that's just so beautiful. And I'm so grateful that my parents instilled that in me. So that was a a big portion of my childhood.
0: Mm. Oh, nice. Yeah, I've seen the videos that she's made when she was a kid. Very <laughs> cute. <laughs> okay, <laughs> anyways. Um, it's kind of a lead up to that, but uh, I want to ask kind of more about how you felt as you were becoming more of a, not a person, but more of a teenager with your own thoughts and feelings. Mm-hmm. How did God begin to change or how did your life begin to shift? Sure. Did you feel like God pulled away from you or that you became closer that's a good question. And how would that affect maybe possibly your life with your family and your friends?
1: So here's the thing. While I did have a very personal relationship with God from my earliest memories, it was still very rule-based. So, for instance, I remember one time this lady from my church was babysitting me and my brothers. At this point, I was probably like 10, 9 or 10 years old. Um, and I had grown up in Philly, and I was at her house, and she had like burned herself. She was cooking. She burned herself on the oven. And she said a curse word. And I like couldn't mm. believe it because she went to my church. I this is how I was crying. And I know it's it's crazy dramatic, but I was the way that I was taught that Christians do not curse. Like I feel like that broke me, and that might have been the beginning of the threads being pulled to my faith because I was like, what? But she's a Christian. How can she do this? I literally remember I had to go upstairs to her bathroom and like sit just sit there by myself and like talk to God about it. I was like, God, Mm. what is she doing? (laughs) Like, (laughs) obviously now I don't believe that. Like the Bible talks about corrupt talk, but curse words don't always equal corrupt talk. It's, it depends on how you use them. But at that time it was just so rule-based. And I feel like I grew up a lot later than my peers. I feel like I didn't experience think something that maybe a 12 year old would go through till I was probably 16. Mm. So, Because I lived in Philly, my parents were torn between sending me to a uh, private school, which would cost money, or a public school, or just homeschooling. But I had done online school, and I didn't really like it. So I wanted to go to in-person school. I wanted to have a social life. And they were like, you will get, they didn't tell me this, but in their heads, they were like, you will get destroyed if you go to public school. Like, public schools in a city like that, and don't get me wrong, I love Philly. It probably will be my favorite place I've ever lived, but the schools there are rough. Like it's, mm. I think about like Philly associated with cities like New York or even LA, like just the craziness of the city. I, I don't think I could have handled it. So I'm grateful that I they didn't send me to a public school. I think I would have broke too early because
0: mm-hmm. if a child
1: breaks too early, it's going to lead to problems later down the line. Yeah. So I ended up going to a private school that ended up not costing that much money because it was very small. And it was Baptist. And like I said, I had gone to a non-denominational church my whole life. When I say Baptist, I'm talking like, think the most legalistic Baptist church there is. Yeah, Maybe I'm exaggerating. I don't know. But for me, it was just, it was crazy. Um, I'm talking like, no pants for the girls. Like, you have to wear skirts. You can't enter the building if you don't wear pants. Um, We did not get any type of sex or anatomical education. Like, And, you know, this I was 13 at this time, like this is the time you're supposed to be introduced to that stuff. But no, it Mm -hmm. was all like talking about flowers and bees. There was no like bodily education at all. Mm. Even even scientific um, education, like wasn't there wasn't much substance there. And science and God can go together. Like, I don't know why. I guess maybe the school was afraid. That if they taught too much science that it would cause people to go away from God or whatever that's not true like I've been through science classes in like later in life, and I'm still a Christian, so whatever I don't understand that my my brother went there too, and he told me that his teacher actually taught the class that dinosaurs didn't exist because Bro. the Bible never mentioned that and that enraged me um, something Just I will saying, never the Bible forget
0: talk about beasts <laughs>
1: Something I will never forget from that school. I was a theater kid very much. I wanted to participate in all the plays that I could. But being at this tiny legalistic school, the plays they got from like a personal Christian website. So that's already a little sketch. The play that they put on that year was called, I think it was called Judgment Day. And basically it was a display of these people who had just died. They stood before the throne of God And God would send them either to heaven or hell. I remember my drama teacher's son, he was an adult, he was a teacher there, played the role of God. So he was like sitting in the back of the room and they had him like over the microphones that would go over the whole auditorium. So like you just heard the voice of God being like, enter or, oh, you have sinned this way or, oh, I'm proud of you for doing this. I was 13 at this time and the role that I was playing was, (laughs) I was... A cocaine addict, I think.
0: Oh my gosh.
1: No, I'm not even, I can't make this up. I remember sitting there, they were putting That's like crazy. purple eyeshadow all over my face to make me look like I had like died on an overdose. It was bad.
0: That's so terrible. That's And kind of offensive. I got to go
1: to heaven. That was my role. So at the end, they would open up a light and I would have to, this is all like really bad quality, by the way. I would um, go into this light that was supposed to be heaven and I was smiling and whatever. So that was great. But some of my co-cast members did not make it to heaven. And so what they did to portray hell was they had like a pit on the side of the stage. It was like a black thing, like black curtains. And they would have people playing demons, grabbing the person and pulling them into the pit. I think I told you this, Seth, but not in this much detail.
0: I've never heard this before. (laughs) I definitely told you about the play, but
1: not in this much detail. And this this next part angers me because I realize now how toxic it is. My drama teacher, she has a great heart. She really does. But the homework that we were assigned for that class was to bring somebody who was not saved to see that play. And so, of course, I felt obligated to do that, even though people ended up not doing that. But me, when I get homework, oh, I'm in, I'm a, you know, goody two-shoes or whatever. Tracks the musical. (laughs)
0: What? (laughs) Like Tracks the musical. Oh my
1: gosh. Yeah, it was... So I brought my uncle, who is not a Christian, um, and who definitely would not have gotten saved from something like that. He went, oh, I feel so bad. He probably felt so uncomfortable. And my dad saw it the first night. And he obviously he was off put. And I was mad at him at the time because he didn't want to come for closing night. I was like, why don't you want to see it again? And he was like, it's just not for me. And I don't think it's good for your brothers to see either. And I was so mad at him. I was like, you you don't like it. You don't like me acting. Whatever. (laughs) And now I'm like, I can't believe they let me participate in that. Like. Oh my gosh! I that's just insane. it gives me chills. That is crazy. And you know, because I didn't understand at that time denominations and branches of Christianity, I just thought that it was all correct and we all believed the same things. So because that school believed all those things, I had the impression that that's how Christians are. That's just the way we do things. Even though this was a school of like less than a hundred people, mm. in the from K to twelve. Um, so, yeah. That was, that was an experience that I went through. Although, I thank God because I met one of my best friends there um, to this day. She, we were there. We were both kind of caught in legalistic territory. Um, but she was different. She, we would sit down while everyone was in gym. We were wearing our, what's those things? They're not skirts. But they're like, I think they're called kulaks. It was like a skirt in the front and shorts in the back. And... They were man. like these long shorts. Anyways, we couldn't wear shorts for gym. But anyway.
0: That's the look. Yeah, That's I know. That's the look, man. I know.
1: Do you know what I'm talking about? Do you have a I know the, what you're talking yeah. about. So, anyways, we would sit on the side and we would talk about spiritual things and our home lives. Like, I just connected to her in a way I didn't connect to anyone. And now we are still best friends to this day. Um, I love her so much. And she, we have both kind of deconstructed that theology. So it's just, it's cool to go through the process with somebody else, like I wasn't alone. So anyways, after that happened, I thought that I had everything together. I thought that I was the perfect Christian and I had all my theology together. Mind you, I am 13 years old. So the next year I move out of Philly and I'm in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, where my parents think, oh, it's Lancaster. Public school is going to be fine. It's going to be nothing like a Philly public school. And to be fair, you know the building is beautiful, the fields are beautiful, like from a visual standpoint. So there I was, walking through the halls, and everyone's just cursing up a storm because it's high school. It's normal. Like I don't. I probably heard, you know, every every other word people were just. Using that kind of language, and again, like I said, I explained my viewpoint on that now It's something that doesn't really bother me, but at the time I had just I had just come from a school of less than a hundred people, and now I'm coming into this school where people are wearing things that I don't recognize. people are saying things that make jokes that I just don't understand and i I'm just so lost and I'm terrified hmm. like I'm walking down the halls and I'm feeling just so different, and it sounds like you know a movie trope, like oh, she was different, she wasn't like the hmm. other kids. But since I was young, I just, I, this is probably early signs of depression because I was diagnosed with depression later in life, but I would just go off and I would cry because I never felt like I fit in with any group ever. I always felt different. I was always very underweight, and I felt like people would look at me and just see this innocent um, girl who doesn't look like everyone else and who isn't on the same skill level as everyone else, and it just made me feel awful. Although it did develop my love for journaling. I, to this day, like journaling is my coping strategy and I suggest it to everyone. It's just life. It saved my life.
0: How did, how did going to a school like that affect your uh, faith? And how did you feel? Did it, did it cause you to go into kind of a spiral? Did it cause you to feel left out? Did it cause you to have trouble making friends? And most importantly, did it cause you to possibly have big issues with your faith?
1: Mm-hmm. That's a lot. So, yes, to all of it, pretty much. Um, it was just really hard. Like if there's anyone listening who has gone through the same thing of like being super sheltered and then out of nowhere, you go to this enormous environment. it's mm. it it really breaks your soul for a little bit. It's really hard. I wasn't I didn't make friends for like a long time, probably the first two months. I was just doing the same routine every day. I did meet my best friend there, though. She's so different from me. She was right along with everyone else, making jokes and cursing up a storm. I love you, Chloe, if you're listening. But she didn't discount me. She saw me. We met. I just was drawn to her, and she included me in her friendships. And she opened up to me really quick, and I opened up to her really quick. And we kind of – we balanced out each other's flaws. Um, We're very different people. Seth, she's a lot like you in her – in, in the way you guys deal with things. And I know that's, that's weird for you to hear, but it's true. Um, and I think that we've both battered each other. I thank God for her. So, so yeah. Um, I, this is what I'm talking about. Like, I feel like I was educated so much later than everyone. There were just things that I didn't know. I'll use, for example, pornography. I know this is kind of off-topic, but I didn't know how normal it was for teenagers to watch it. Like I would hear someone talking about it and I was like, I can't believe they're talking about this out in mm. the open. And even if they are talking about it, shouldn't they be ashamed? Like whatever, whatever. Mm. Chloe was the one who taught me a lot of things that were normalized and don't get me wrong. It shouldn't be normalized. People should not, you know, normalize watching something and being got to it. You, yeah. You know, but I didn't it. know. I probably at that point didn't even know what it was. Mm-hmm. Um, And especially among guys, like I didn't know that most guys have probably seen it in their life. And most guys probably in high school watch it on a daily, weekly basis. That's just how it is growing up in America, unfortunately. I had no idea. I didn't know basic bodily functions. There there was a lot I didn't know about my own body, like I said, because I did not get an education from that one school. And again, there were just things that I saw people doing that were normal that I thought were not normal because they weren't going on at my old school. It was very hard. And any of my friends listening from high school right now understand how, how hard it was in the beginning and how, quote, innocent I was. And she inno- was
0: very different when we first met.
1: <laughs> we met when I was 16.
0: But so, I loved her then. So
1: at this point, I was 14. And I don't know. Innocent is a hard word for me to use because, like I explained, innocence and purity are beautiful things that children should possess. Mm-hmm. But at 14... In a broken world, you don't want to be labeled as innocent because it's just looked at as unintelligent and inexperienced. Mm. So yeah. I was going through that. And in my freshman year of high school, I also got very into boys. I'm sorry, Seth. But um, I didn't Damn, really.
0: We can skip over this. part. <laughs> no, I need to talk about it. So you, can, you can talk about it. So.
1: Um, Obviously, in the old school, like dating was not really something that went on. You kind of courted when you were older and then you immediately got married. But no one dated because, you know,
0: six month dating, six month engagement, <laughs> marriage, <laughs>
1: marriage at 18 years old <laughs> No, at this public school. I um I didn't really know how big teenage dating was. If you grew up in the public school system, you know, people would be like, oh, they dated in fifth grade. That was language that I would never heard before. Like, fifth grade? Are you insane? But that's how people talk when you grow up in the public school system. So I wasn't really used to that. So I had had a couple encounters with guys that had, quote, asked me out. It's just so weird because I was 14. And to think that guys were asking me out at 14 is just weird. But anyways, there's this one guy in the theater community that I was in that um I ended up talking to my dad about which I'm proud of myself for doing that cuz what other 14-year-old girl is going to sit and ask her dad about boys? I know none of you guys did that. So anyways,
0: <laughs> I talked to my dad about boys. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so I I sat down with him and I said, "Dad, there's this guy I really like. Can I date him basically?" And he kind of was like, "Yeah, you guys can hang out, you know, just there's there's parameters that need to be put in place and boundaries and everything so I ended up going on like one date with him to the mall or whatever it was not a real date but he was very bad for me he was for the innocent level that I was at he was very not that like he had been through some things and he was kind of taking them out on me and there were just things that I was not ready for that he was trying to be ready for and he was treating it like like He said the thing, the thing that guys say in church sometimes. He said, God told me you're my wife. And at 14, 15, I did not need to hear that. him in the face. And so, of course, I felt (sighs) pressured. I was like, oh, God said it, so it must be true. So, anyways, that was rough. We were on and off probably for like till I was 15 ish. So, there's that. That really impacted my faith badly because I was like, at that point, I was really worried about being in the will of God or not. Like, God, is it your will for me to marry this person, even though I'm 15 years old? Yeah, it was really bad. And that is where I learned about my anxiety, about the way that I, um, the way my anxiety attacks take place and how my body functions when that happens. When I was 16 years old, I was diagnosed with anxiety and depression, which doesn't seem like a big deal because nowadays everyone has anxiety and depression, But for me, it was huge because I finally had a label for all of the emotions that I've been feeling since I was so young. Mm. I finally had an answer to all of my questions like, oh, it's because I have these things that that alters my brain and alters my body. Like it just was such a relief for me. And it's, you know, it frustrates me when people glamorize and glorify mental illness because you can have mine like it is not something that I wake up and I thank God for. It's 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 a struggle every single day, especially in the winter time. Like your mind just just kills you, and it's funny because one time I remember I had a friend when I was a freshman in high school. I had a friend who told me she was struggling with depression, and at that time, coming straight from the legalistic school, I was like, "Just be happy, just be joyful," and she got oh, so man. mad at me. And how the turntables? Because now mm. here I am struggling with that same problem. So, yeah, I think that was a little God thing that happened there. But all this time, I'm going back and forth on my faith. And I'm just like, all of these people don't seem to care whether or not God exists. Like, no one's debating it. I was even looking for debates to see, like, who wants to debate me about my faith? Like, are there is there anyone of another religion, any atheists here, like, that I can talk to? But <laughs> it just seemed like people did not care. And that is so true. In public school, I noticed, like, Mm. people just didn't care whether or not God existed, and they just wanted to do whatever, and I wasn't used to that kind of environment, and if I did meet Christians at that time, it just seemed like they weren't as invested as I was, and that's not me being prideful. I just think that's because faith wasn't really talked about in those environments. So I was going back and forth. I was like, is God even real? Is he listening to me right now? If God is real, is he even good? Because he's letting me, I didn't understand my depression at that time. I didn't understand why I was crying myself to sleep and making such a big deal over this guy. And just, I also had a, a lot of Christians who grew up in legalistic environments will go through this, where they feel this pressure to save everybody. It's like, if you don't save these people, if you don't bring these people to Jesus, they're going to go to hell and not spend eternity with you. And it is something that we need to stop putting on our children. And I'm not saying that my parents put that on me ever. My parents never made me feel that way. It was always other adult influences in my life or teachers at that school that made me feel like, oh, if I don't bring my uncle to this play, he'll never get saved and that'll be my fault. And so I brought that ideology with me into high school and it's just, so unhealthy. Did you ever feel like that, Seth? Like you had to save people?
0: Um, not necessarily that I had to save people, but I definitely always felt outside that if I was a Christian, I automatically was good and correct. And that if you weren't a Christian, that you, know, you had no understanding of anything.
1: Mm, that is definitely how I felt, yeah. So come like 10th, 11th grade, I actually meet a friend who I'm still friends with to this day, who was an atheist. I think now they're more of like a agnostic kind of. But anyways, at the time, he was an atheist, and um, it was he was so into debate, and I think that's what sparked my fire again for God. Um, he had been through some crazy backgrounds, a crazy past. And we would just talk for hours in front of everyone. We would debate on politics, even though I didn't know much about politics at the time, and religion and all the things, whether God existed or not, and logistics. And it just sparked this fire in me for apologetics and for defense of God's existence. Mm-hmm. Um, if I can recommend a book to you guys, it's Josh and Sean McDowell's Evidence That Demands a Verdict. It has an answer to quite literally every question that you could have as a Christian, and yeah. it's, it's amazing. I remember, you know, and that's a book for like an adult. And at like 14 years old, I was highlighting things like it's just such a passion of mine to this day to debate the existence of God, because to me, God has always been real and present. And, you know, maybe people feel like they haven't always seen God. Once you decide for yourself that God is real, you see him in everything. You see him in other people. You see him in nature. You see him in the ways that coincidences supposedly happen, but maybe it's not a coincidence. It's just it changes everything to believe that there is a greater power out there who cares for you and who loves you so deeply and who knows you because he made you. So I came to that realization, kind of debating that guy. um, And that was really cool. Then I felt pretty solid in my faith, felt pretty solid as a strong conservative at the time. And all of that stuff was mainly for my parents. I remember during the pandemic, I had tried to start like a conservative Instagram account because there, all these liberal Instagram accounts were going off with all the politics in 2020, and I was like, let me be the opposing voice and, p- and do a, uh, a political account based on um, conservatives, because no one knows what conservatives really think, blah, blah, blah. Nowadays, I'm definitely more moderate. I would identify in the middle, and we can talk about politics in a future episode, whatever. So by the time I am a junior in high school, I meet Seth at this point from at, at a job, and Maybe we'll give you guys a little a little testimony in a future episode of our story. Yeah. So that's for another day. But I meet Seth, we start dating, and our relationship has gone through a lot of ups and downs. And I think through it all, we've learned so much about each other. And I think adults can look at that and be like, oh, you guys are so young. Like, what can you possibly go through at, at, at 16, 17, 18? Um. More than I thought I ever could. That's, that's would be my answer to that. But
0: then I think what's funny too is that so many, uh, so many people too, um, they'll say, oh, we dated and we did this, but they'll date for two years. But they'll be Christians who will, you know, date for like a year, marry for six months, divorce like a year later. Right. So who are they really to say anything about people who are too young in their dating relationships?
1: I agree. And not to throw
0: people under the bus, but,
1: (laughs) you know, it doesn't. It doesn't matter what age you are unless you're like, you know, 12 years old. But I was 16 when we started dating. I'm now 18. You're about to be 20, Seth. And it's just crazy to me.
0: Hey, don't remind me. Sorry. (laughs) It's just crazy to
1: me how different I was when I met you and how different I am now and how different you are. Because our faiths were so different when we met. Mm -hmm. I think that I was very strict in my faith and it was very rule based. Whereas you, if I could say this, were kind of nuanced in it. You were like, yeah, I grew up with it. It's what I believe, but I don't really look into it. That's where we were when we met. Yeah. Now we're at a place where we're both very confident, both very strong, and we can back up what we believe with, like, Scripture and theology and whatever. But at that time, we were just so different. We bonded over our interests, for sure, our creative interests. Um, and again, we'll talk about more about that in a future episode. But meeting you was—I'm tr- going to try not to get sappy, but seriously, meeting you— was such a significant part of my life because through you I've learned so much about myself I've learned about the way I react to things I've learned about ways that I need to stop reacting to things and the events that we went through together could have broken us and they didn't like we're still here
0: uh wow that was really a great testimony and you gave a lot of really good points and I I think that um It's powerful. I think that it hopefully can help a lot of kids, especially younger, like preteen girls who are kind of struggling with public school Mm -hmm. or making that shift from a legalistic household to the world. Right. Um, But in conclusion, uh, you would say, what would you say um, for the for the question of what were you then, what are you now?
1: Mm -hmm. Then I was a rule based quote innocent, um, afraid. Hmm. young girl, but I still will always, you know, I identify as Christian. I don't think I ever was not Christian. There was a point in my life where I identified like more as just believing in God, like kind of, I guess you would call me a deist. Like I believed in God, but I didn't think that he cared about my life or whatever. That was probably my junior year of high school. Like I literally told my friend, Oh yeah, I believe in God, but I'm not any religion. I told my friend that, but that was such a short period of time. Like 99% of my life, I have been a Christian. And today I am a Christian who has researched what I believe. I know what I believe and I'm open to change. I'm open to evolution in my thinking. And, you know, the New Testament, the entire New Testament of the Bible says that the law is fulfilled through love. So Paul is saying that if you want, if you're like me and you're a people pleaser and you want to just follow the rules, start with love. Start with loving other people. Start with loving the person that God made you to be. Start with loving possibilities and opportunities because that's what God commands us to do.
0: Praise God.
1: And so now I am someone who I still struggle with anxiety and depression and pride and all the things, but I'm not I'm not afraid anymore, I don't think, because I know who's in control. I know who made me, and I feel confident enough to say that I've been through some pretty rough things. I can probably go through some more rough things. So that's where I am today and I would say that the driving point that that brought me to that point was breaking in high school um, feeling feeling just revived by God and watching him Ooh. work in little ways in my life like if you really pay attention to the little events that go on in your life you can like God is working so evidently mm. so pay attention to that because at Praise the end of God. the day that's what's going to save you so yeah well. that was sorry for the length but uh
0: Well, that was a great episode. That was our first episode, first testimony. We hope you guys enjoyed that, and we hope that it could give you guys some more insight into ourselves, in particular this episode, into more of Karina's life. Um, Is there anything else you want to say?
1: I don't think so. I probably missed details, but they will come out in later episodes, I'm sure.
0: Yeah, well, thank you so much for giving us your testimony. Uh, Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you for supporting us every week. Next week, um... (laughs) Next week, next we week will we'll
1: be, be back doing. with Seth's testimony, which testimony. I'm super excited about. I'm it's a little nervous good one. About, I'm a little nervous it's about it. It's a good one.
0: <laughs> All right, but thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. Um, I am Seth. I'm Karina. And uh, thank you guys. Have a good one. Bye. Right,
1: we'll be back next week. Bye.